Taiwan and Japan convened their first ever party-level security dialogue on Friday. After the 90-minute virtual meeting, the DPP's representatives said the two sides discussed strategies for countering China. According to DPP lawmaker Tsai Shi-ying, Japan said it wanted to strengthen its presence in its southwest seas and in seas northeast of Taiwan, over which PLA aircraft frequently appear. Lawmaker Luo Zhizheng said that public opinion in Japan was heavily in favor of taking action to stabilize the Taiwan Strait. Following Japanese Prime Minister Suga Yoshihide's meeting with U.S. President Joe Biden, a public opinion poll showed 74% of the Japanese public was in support of Japanese involvement in stabilizing security in the Taiwan Strait. Including Liberal Democratic Party supporters, more than 80 percent of those asked were in support of such action. And in the U.S., public support for defending Taiwan is also on the rise. A recent survey by the Chicago Council on Global Affairs asked participants if they would be in favor of sending U.S. troops to defend Taiwan in the event of a Chinese invasion. More than half of Americans said yes for the first time since 1982 when the council began asking the question. Moreover, 7 in 10 Americans, or 69 percent, said they favor recognizing Taiwan as an independent country. Another school year is about to start, and the Taipei MRT is preparing to welcome more riders. The Metro Authority plans to launch a crowd management system that was developed in-house. The system can track passenger volume in real time. Whenever a station gets too many people, it closes the fare gates to prevent overcrowding. It's rush hour on the Taipei MRT and commuters are out in force. With the new school year about to start, it's only about to get more crowded. The Metro Authority plans to use technology to control the upcoming surge. It's using a system that detects real-time congestion inside carriages. The system can also tell which stations have the most riders. Whenever at least two red lights flash for a train or when six orange lights flash, we will ask riders to board the train's less crowded carriages. We will also implement controls on the gates. The system works like this. Real-time ridership data is sent to the control center, which crunches the numbers, factoring in time of day and carriage congestion. If there are too many riders at a given station, limits will be imposed. Some or all the fare gates will be closed to restrict entry. Now in its soft launch, the system is being used along the Wenhu and Banan lines. Relatively high peak period traffic usually occurs between Longshan Temple Station and Ximen Station, so there will be more controls imposed at Longshan Temple Station. On behalf of the Taipei city government and Mayor Ke, I want to appeal to all public and private enterprises, as well as agencies and organizations, to stagger the work times of their employees. To reduce COVID risk, the city government and transport authorities urge metro riders to spread out, moving to emptier carriages as needed. Teachers, civil servants and members of the armed forces are in line for a raise next year. According to a cabinet spokesman, the premier has ordered a salary review for these three types of government employees. It's planning to budget 21 billion Taiwan dollars to raise salaries by 3%. We want to affirm the efforts of our service members, public servants and teachers. 
In giving them a raise, the government is setting an example for the private sector. Premier Su Zhenchang has launched a review of pay grades for three types of public sector employees. Their last wage adjustment was three years ago in 2018. Su said that, in light of their contributions during the epidemic, it was time for a raise. Salaries should be adjusted. Today's salaries are so low, it makes life very difficult. Actually, what we care about more is institutionalizing the salary review mechanism for service members, teachers, and civil servants. The other thing is, in the committee itself, in the committee that reviews salaries, there should be people who represent rank-and-file employees. The executive yuan said the public sector rose to the challenge of COVID this year, tackling disaster relief, disease prevention, bailout applications, and even remote teaching. In line with precedent, it expects to give a 3% raise with a budget of 21 billion NT. The executive yuan said it hoped to set an example for private companies, encouraging them to raise wages too. The government's position is, it wants the fruits of economic growth to make their way back to the workers. Raising salaries for service members, civil servants and teachers will indeed drive up private sector wages to a degree. I think that this is a good thing. As I often say, if a company is profitable, it should give its employees a raise. Like our company and its affiliates, every year we probably adjust wages by at least 3%. Basically, on the matter of salary adjustments, all corporations should make that their responsibility. Rock Xu, chair of a major tech firm, was quick to answer the cabinet's call for adjusting wages. But under the pall of the pandemic, many sectors, including hospitality, may be more reluctant to give a raise. Armed Forces Day is coming up soon on September 3rd. To celebrate, the Ministry of National Defense will launch an ad campaign on the airport MRT. The train carriages will feature designs based on different service personnel. There are also some new cute mascots in the form of Shiba Inu dogs. For real military fans, there are figurines and collectibles too. The armed forces are working day and night to protect Taiwan. The Ministry of National Defense has released a new promotional video and its first ever collaboration with Taoyuan Airport MRT. To celebrate Armed Forces Day, which is coming up, the MND and Airport MRT have released a special MRT carriage design. The carriages will be decorated with a design based on the Army, Navy, and Air Force. The first three carriages will be themed on the Army, Navy and Air Force. The design is based on a chemical warfare soldier, a naval captain and a pilot, the combined forces. The theme of the fourth carriage is love for the armed forces. It features multiple fun, colorful military elements in an urban style. It will appeal to younger groups as well as present the armed forces as approachable, friendly and lively. The carriage designs will be rolled out for the first time on Armed Forces Day itself and stay in use to the end of the year. As well as featuring different types of service personnel, they also have these cute little Shiba Inu characters on them as military ambassadors. This Shiba Inu is a chemical warfare officer in full military kit. This diver, complete with an oxygen tank, is part of the underwater operations unit. And this air captain is protecting Taiwan's airspace. The three dogs will appear on the MRT carriages, as well as on collectible mugs and as figurines. 
We have two Shiba Inu at home. I wanted to include the pandemic issue, so I did reference to Zongcai, the health ministry's Shiba Inu mascot. The reason I chose the Shiba Inu is because they have a steady character, they're brave and protect the home. They're not aggressive, but they're not cowardly. That's their nature. I think you can link them to the armed forces. Unlike previous MND campaigns, which have tended toward the realistic or somber, this latest design series is sweet and upbeat, reflecting a wish to portray the forces as relatable, ordinary people. The CECC posted another day of zero COVID infections on Friday. It also released genetic sequencing results for imported cases reported from August 20th to 26th. The test confirmed 16 Delta infections over the week. Eight of them were breakthrough cases involving people who were fully vaccinated. Let's hear from an official. There were 16 Delta infections with the individuals arriving from several different countries. Among those cases, as you can see, the cycle threshold values were between 9 and 29, meaning there were those with high viral loads and those with low viral loads. The total number of Delta cases we've recorded to date is 83, with 13 of those associated with a cluster infection in Pingdong County in June. The other 70 cases were imported, of which eight are considered to be breakthrough cases. Those eight people were confirmed infected 14 days or more following their second vaccinations. Three of the breakthrough cases received Moderna or Pfizer vaccines. Those vaccinated with the Johnson & Johnson vaccine only had one shot. Another case had two AstraZeneca shots. So I must remind everyone we are under great pressure from these Delta infections. We must continue to strictly manage border entries. Despite zero local cases, the CECC reported seven new imported cases Friday. Three of them were breakthrough infections. One was a person who received one dose of AstraZeneca followed by a dose of Moderna. This is Taiwan's first breakthrough case involving this vaccine combination. A shipment of 265,000 AstraZeneca vaccines touched down in Taoyuan Friday morning. This latest batch could complete inspection as early as next Friday. It's part of a 10 million dose order Taiwan made directly with the manufacturer. According to the CECC, Taiwan can expect a flurry of vaccine shipments in the near future. One is a delivery of 30,000 Moderna vaccines donated by the Czech Republic. Another is a batch of nearly 2 million doses of Pfizer. At 11.37 in the morning, a Korean air flight landed at Taoyuan's airport, carrying Taiwan's latest shipment of AstraZeneca vaccines. This delivery of 265,000 doses is part of Taiwan's direct order with the manufacturer. It was sent immediately for inspection and is slated for release as early as September 3rd. So far, Taiwan has received more than 6.64 million doses of AstraZeneca and nearly 4 million of Moderna. And it's been confirmed that roughly 1.95 million doses of Pfizer will arrive in the next several days. That would take the total doses delivered to 12.6 million. Health Minister Chen Shizhong said that more Pfizer shipments are expected in the months to come. After that, will there be more and more shipments? Will there be nearly 7.5 million doses? Yes, there will be probably more the following month, and the month after that. They will arrive in batches, according to the schedule. According to sources, Taiwan's first Pfizer vaccines could arrive as early as next Monday. The health minister neither confirmed nor denied the date. 
He did emphasize that it took tremendous collaboration between the private and public sectors to secure this first batch. It is true that TSMC did call me that day. Did you then call up Premier Su and President Tsai? I was in touch with both of them. They both felt that if it could be useful to Taiwan's epidemic prevention, then go ahead. They trusted me to decide. With the shipment of Pfizer secured, the CECC announced that it would add Pfizer to its vaccine registration platform, which will open to users at 2 o'clock Saturday afternoon. The Pfizer vaccine will be an option on the platform. We ask that people complete registration as soon as possible if they're willing to receive the Pfizer vaccine. There will be about 1.95 million doses of Pfizer, enough to give all 1.2 million of Taiwan students their first dose. With a string of deliveries on the way, Pfizer could soon beat out Moderna for Taiwan's most popular vaccine. The pomelo is the mid-autumn festival treat, and nowhere in the country is as famous for the citrus fruit as Tainan's Mado district. This year, Mado has a bumper harvest perhaps 10% bigger than normal. Now, have you ever wondered how a big harvest gets delivered to customers nationwide? Well, in Mado, they have set up special pomelo post offices just to handle the rush. This is a timber company, so why are there so many farmers gathered inside and box upon box of pomelos? This post office, hidden inside a timber warehouse, may be out of the way, but all the locals know of it. If you want to send out pomelos, this is where you must come. This is the seasonal pomelo exchange. Some customers say they don't want the pomelos until early September, so I guess there's just a dozen or so boxes now. On a scooter, you can only transport four or five boxes at once, but trucks stop here to drop off ten times that many in one go. The post office employees are working flat out. Of course it's tiring, but it's fine when you're used to it. It doesn't last long. It's more convenient. You don't need to wait. Here, pomelo farmers get specialized service, whether they drop off one box or 20. The office has a big network of delivery vehicles on coal, which is a boon for small farmers. We have a lot of vehicles to pick up and drop off deliveries. We also have a lot of locations. So we offer a rather attractive price, and we are more flexible time-wise. Two locations have been set up in the district this year. There are discounted prices, and workers can print out the postage documents on your behalf. They'll even phone up to book you a home delivery service. Farmers are understandably smitten. We have about 20 to 30,000 boxes every day, transactions with pomelo farmers. The Mado post office says that in pomelo season, they handle tens of thousands of boxes every day at least. Without special locations, normal post offices would be overrun. The local pomelo harvest is about 30,000 tons this year. In the scramble to get the fruit out, it's all hands on deck. Meanwhile, farmers are working flat out to get millions of caddies of these pomelos to customers while they're still fresh. The Taiwan pineapple embargo of 2020 also hit pomelos. Distributors have worked hard to find alternatives into the Chinese market. But they've succeeded in expanding demand for pomelos in other countries, too. Under the hot summer sun, farmers in face masks pick pomelos in the orchard. They're best fresh. Our farmers send the produce directly to consumers' homes. Sales overall are very good this year. Once picked, pomelos are wheeled away and sorted by a machine, then washed and boxed. 
The high-quality harvest will be sold in Taiwan, as well as China's Shanghai and Pingtan County, Fujian. Sales this year stand at about 800,000 caddy so far. That's thanks to some private campaigns to boost orders. Because right now, if we want to sell agricultural products in China, we need to arrange that through private channels. The pineapple embargo of 2020 has also affected Hegang pomelos. Luckily, distributors have managed to find a way into China and hope to export a million caddies this year. Mountains of pomelos are piled up, the fruit of a year of careful growing. They'll be shipped not just to China, but all across East Asia. We haven't just sold to China this year, but also Japan and other East and Southeast Asian countries. Farmers hope that politics will not cause more chaos for their business soon. The last year has been more than enough excitement. The Council of Agriculture has imposed a one-month ban on feeding kitchen waste to pigs to combat the spread of African swine fever. The ban will be in effect for the month of September. Violators will be fined up to 4 million NT. More than 2,000 tons of kitchen waste is collected every day across Taiwan. More than half goes to feeding pigs. In September, farmers will be offered a subsidy of 500 NT per hog to cover the cost of switching to grain feed. All kitchen waste collections will go to compost production facilities or landfills. Officials urge the public to reduce the generation of kitchen waste in the month of September. Are COVID restrictions affecting your health? Spending more time indoors can mean less exercise, which can heighten the risk of developing chronic conditions. Formosa News reporter Stephanie Yang spoke to experts to get tips on maintaining a healthy lifestyle despite the pandemic. COVID has left many people spending more time than ever at home. That, combined with poor eating habits, can take a heavy toll on your health. Since I was busy with work, I didn't take good care of my health. I often ate dinner late, at irregular times. My sleep was relatively poor because I often went to bed late and woke up early. I was diagnosed with high blood sugar and high blood lipids. I had a waist circumference of more than 80 centimeters. Especially during the pandemic, people have been eating more and moving less, so their bodies are out of shape. People live longer now, but the incidence of chronic illnesses is on the rise. A diet high in fats, sugars and salt can lead to health problems such as high blood pressure while increasing the risk of metabolic syndrome and chronic diseases. According to the Health Promotion Administration, 3.6 out of every 10 people over the age of 40 have metabolic syndrome. About half of them have a high waist circumference, which, if left untreated, can lead to a high risk of chronic diseases. We found that more than half of the top 10 causes of death, including cerebrovascular disease, heart disease, hypertension, and diabetes, have five risk factors called metabolic syndrome disease. Its symptoms include a high waist circumference and high blood pressure. You measure both waist circumference and blood pressure at home. For men, check whether your waist circumference exceeds 90 centimeters. For women, the mark to watch is 80 centimeters. Metabolic syndrome can be a precursor of chronic disease such as diabetes, heart disease, and stroke. 
The HPA says there are four things that can be done right at home to prevent and monitor for metabolic syndrome. First, you should measure your blood pressure, waist circumference, and body weight daily. Second, eat varied meals that include fruits, vegetables, rice, soy, fish, eggs, and meat. Third, minimize periods of prolonged sitting and exercise for 30 minutes at least five times a week. Finally, go to bed early and cut back on smoking and drinking. The first thing to emphasize is that even during the pandemic, keeping a balanced diet is very important. We should have a glass of milk in the morning and at night and eat a fist's worth of fruit with every meal. Eat more vegetables than fruits and eat the same amount of rice as you do vegetables. As for beans, fish, eggs and meat, try to eat about as much of the size of your palm. More than half of the top 10 causes of death in 2020 were chronic diseases, including heart disease, cerebral vascular disease, diabetes, nephritis, and nephropathy. Doctors say a good way to keep disease at bay is to develop a healthy lifestyle with habits such as walking at least 5,000 steps every day. For most of news, Stephanie Yang, Chen Shenhen in Taipei. The Central Weather Bureau has released its outlook for the fall season. Average to above average rainfall is likely between September and November. Temperatures are likely to be normal or higher than usual. The CWB also forecast one or two typhoons to make landfall before year's end. The sun hangs high, beating down from above. It's late August and the heat still hasn't let up. With the arrival of fall next month, the CWB has released its projection for September to November. The fall season is likely to have average to higher temperatures as well as average to above average rainfall. For the sea south of Taiwan around the Philippines and throughout the maritime continent, the data indicates that we will have more rain than usual. To our north, for the area including central and southern China, the East China Sea, and Japan, the seasonal forecast calls for average to below average rainfall, with a higher chance of above average rainfall. In the coming fall season, Taiwan will have average to above average temperatures. Above average rainfall is also likely. From June to the start of August, Taiwan had significant rainfall. Reservoirs are now fuller than they were the same time last year. But the CWB said that come October, central and southern Taiwan will enter the dry season. Residents in the region are still urged to conserve water. When asked about typhoons, the CWB said it expected one to two this fall season. There may be one to two typhoons that hit Taiwan this fall. Going by the climate average, we are expecting 0.8 typhoons in September and 0.4 in October. So the number in Taiwan is close to, but slightly less than, the climatological normal. The area most likely to experience fall typhoons is the northwest Pacific Ocean. This summer, the seasonal low-pressure trough occurred farther north, bringing eight typhoons to the northwest Pacific. That's below the climatological normal of 10.9 typhoons. Annual variations are normal, but the CWB says the impact of future monsoons and fall typhoons on seasonal rainfall warrants close attention.